the Arthropod. The Arthropod is the home for the wonderful, weird, wacky world of insects. Hosted by Jonathan Larson, Jody Green, and Michael Scavarla. Welcome back, everybody, to Arthropod, your entomology podcast. I am but one of your hosts for today, Jonathan Larson of the University of Kentucky. I'm another one of your hosts. I'm Jody Green. I'm an extension educator with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And I'm the last host today, Michael Scavarla with Penn State University. And we are joined by a very special guest, a very special guest. Would you please introduce yourself to the Arthropod listeners? Yes. Hi, I'm Erin Bauer, and I am an entomology lecturer in the Department of Entomology at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Welcome aboard. We're very happy to have you. Uh, Nebraska power today. We can feel the corn rising here on Arthropod. <laughs> I'm very excited to talk with you today. Jody. you kind of put this one together, so I want to turn to you to be kind of our lead. We've had a lot of questions from entomologists and also non-entomologists that maybe hope to be entomologists. So when it comes to education, learning more, I kind of turn to Erin because she is just a natural educator. We're in different places, even though we're both feeling the corn. You're on campus in the Department of Entomology, and you just said your role, but what do you do in that role? Yeah, so so I'm on East Campus. For those who aren't aware, University of Nebraska has a city campus and then an East Campus. And so most of the natural resources and agricultural types of um, degrees are on East Campus. We also have the College of Dentistry and the College of Law on, on this campus as well. So this is where we're located, the Department of Entomology. And my main roles, I serve as an online instructor for our online master's degree. And then I'm also an academic advisor. So we have maybe any at any one time, probably between 80 and 90 active students. And so I advise anybody that has any questions and help them navigate through the program. So those are probably my two main roles. But I also serve as a liaison to the forensics department. And I work with them on doing some forensic entomology type research, as well as um, those are some of the classes I teach, um, forensic entomology, forensic insect succession. I do some IPM classes. So just a variety of different classes, but that's kind of in a nutshell, kind of what my role is. All so about education. Right, right. I'm 100% teaching appointments. So yes, it's all about education. And so when you said 80 to 90 current students, that's in the online master's program? Yes, that's in the online master's program. Now, I don't always get, you know, 80 to 90 people writing me all the time or calling me. Really, you kind of meet the students where they are. So I have some students who want to meet me very regularly on Zoom to have actual advising meetings. And then I have others that I might hear from twice during their entire program. It just depends on how much help they need. I hear from almost all of them at some point in time with some questions here or there, but it really varies on, on the amount of help that they actually need. So. so thinking about the help that they need, how much I've never done an online full degree like that. So how much leeway in there is there in what they can choose to do? Like, is there a set course, like you take courses X, Y, Z, and by the time you're done, you're done? Or is there more of like a pick your own path between these multiple courses. And if you get enough credits, that's good. Like where's the advising come in when some people don't hardly need any help and others need a lot of help? 
the way it's set up, so it's a 30 credit hour program and they've got maybe three classes that everybody has to take. They have to do like an insect ID class. They have to choose either physiology or toxicology class. And then they, everybody does the, the MS project. And I think we can talk more about that a little bit later as far as how that differs from a thesis. But then besides those, they can basically do elective courses. So, you know, I've had people write me and say, oh, you know, I mean, I'm interested in forensic entomology. So what, what classes should I take? Or I'm interested in education, like I'm a science teacher. So what classes would you recommend? Or these are the interests that I have. And so some, we do have some like very specific classes. So we have medical entomology, we have forensic entomology, we have some like agricultural or horticulture related classes and educational classes, like an educational tools class. We have IPM class. We have some students who really want to go the agricultural route. So they will take those types of courses. People that are in the educate, they might be science teachers wanting to maybe get a master's degree to help promote them within their careers. They might want be wanting to take more of those edu- those educational classes. For instance, we maybe offer one class in something, and they want more. And the way that they can meet those needs is by taking like an independent study in that, or a or doing something as their master's project in a particular topic. So yeah, so we allow them to select their courses so that it tailors it towards what their personal interests are. I'm very excited to unpack more about the the online master's program. Uh, before we dive into more of that and really talk about like how it got built, maybe more of your role and how the students interact with it, can we talk a little bit more about you and how you arrived at being a lecturer for UNL and how you got sure. interested in education? Yeah, sure. So, so my background is I got an undergraduate in education. And I, it was like a, basically the major within the education degree was library science. And then I got a minor in psychology. And then I went on to get a master's degree in library science, but I've always had an interest in insects ever since I was a little girl. I guess my dad told me once we went to the zoo when I was like two years old, he pointed out a praying mantis to me. I was completely fascinated with that and have pretty much loved insects ever since. So I have always loved insects, always, you know, investigating in insects out in the backyard when I was a kid. So I've always had that kind of in the back of my mind, but I didn't necessarily know I could do anything, you know, do something specifically with entomology. But after I got my master's in library science and I was working in some library jobs in Omaha, actually, I lived in Omaha for several years before I came to Lincoln. That is when the online program at UNL actually started was in 1999. And so I took a couple classes while I was working there. Just I'm like, oh, this this is really, really cool. Well, I continued to work in libraries for a few more years. And then the opportunity came up that UNL, the Pesticide Safety Education Office, had an opening for extension assistant. And basically, it was helping develop different educational materials and videos and things like that for training for pesticide educators. So I actually put in for that job. I thought it sounded very interesting. It opened the door for an entomology-related job, but still used skills that I had from, from education and library science. So I got into that job. While I was there, Tom Weisling, who's the online program coordinator, and then Clyde Ogg, who is my supervisor at the time in Pest Ed, they both really encouraged me to try to finish up the master's degree. 
So while I was working there, I did, I went through and finished up the online master's program. And I am both an instructor in the online master's program now and started out as a student, which gives me sort of a both side perspective. So anyway, I graduated in 2013 from the online program. And I told Tom, Tom had said at one point, he said, yeah, I said, I, I'm feeling like I'm going to need, like I need some help with the advising and the online program. And I'm like, well, if you ever have an opening, let me know. And a year or two later, he called me up and he said, hey, you know, we have, we have this position. And so that's kind of how I came into the position. And that was in 2015. So I've been here since 2015 and I've really, really enjoyed it. And I've been involved in a lot of, again, mainly teaching and advising, but also some other little projects as well. So that's kind of the background. And Tom is Tom Weisling, correct? Tom Weisling, right. And he's an online program coordinator for this program. So I'm actually super impressed by the 1999 starting date. Uh, I know. (laughs) That's that's pretty cool. It is. Right on the cutting edge. We are, yes, we were the very first online entomology program in the country. So, uh, yeah, so we have been the ones that are around the longest. I mean, there's a couple more. Uh, we, I know you have one at Kentucky and the University of Florida has one, but I don't know, if, I'm not aware of if there's any other ones, but uh, definitely UNL has been the one that started the started first out of those. Do you teach and then also develop the courses in curricula as well? I do. I have developed several new courses. So yeah, when I came in, I, I helped with some existing courses like uh, ecology with the undergrad insect biology course. Uh, some of those that I helped Tom with his horticulture class. That was the very first one I kind of helped with. But now I have developed, I don't know, let's see, I don't know, five or six, cor- at least five or six courses that I've now teaching and have developed just kind of based on on need. And then other classes I've just kind of overhauled or changed or revised just to update them. So yeah, like especially forensic entomology, that's my personal interest. So I created at least, we had forensic entomology before, but I created two additional classes that fall within that. And then I also revised the regular forensic entomology course since when I began teaching it. So And then an IPM course, which both Jonathan and Jody have uh, helped being a guest lecturer on that for me. I teach that and that's IPM more in urban environments. I don't really have an agricultural background. So working in pesticide education, we did a lot of things with IPM, which is integrated pest management in like schools or other sensitive environments, daycares, things like that. And so we did a lot of work with that. And so that's kind of my area. I probably couldn't tell you hardly anything about IPM in agricultural settings. So it's always changing. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> Can I ask you like a non-entomology question? Why sure. library science? How did you get interested in that to begin with? Well, honestly, like just like insects growing up, I would say books was kind of my other passion. So so that's why my job now insects and books and just the skills I use for library science I can use for uh, teaching that kind of combines all my passions. So yes, I always was going to libraries every summer. Like basically the library was close enough, like within a couple blocks, I could just walk down, check out books, come back. So I was just always reading. And so that's kind of what led me to the library science degree. But I always had that niggling in the back of my mind about entomology and 
So it would just was a great opportunity when the online program came up. And, and like I said, when I was working full time as a librarian, I didn't have a chance to really take a ton of the classes. But like I said, once I came here and was actually working kind of in an entomology related job, then it made a lot of sense to to pursue that the full degree. So and I really did appreciate the encouragement and the nudging that I got, you know, from a couple people to to finish that. So I'm not going to lie. I think that having somebody with a library science degree as the head of an online or as somebody that helps to lead an online master's program is kind of a perfect fit because you're all about helping people find information. You know, that's what librarians do. And if you're an online master's student, in a lot of ways, that's kind of going to be the path to you being successful is having somebody help you figure out how to find answers. So absolutely. That's, and that's exactly, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. That is, that is definitely what I have found is like, it just, it does uh, use all the skills that I have from both of those degrees. And amazingly enough, I never in a million years would have thought there were other people that were librarians slash entomologists, but there's actually been several. I have met several people through my time here, some being students of mine that have both those degrees. And and there's a, there's somebody who, I can't remember, I just talked to her within the last couple of weeks, in fact, that uh, just got a job as, I think, a director at a small town library. And she she was in my program and or in this program and was in, you know, got her degree in entomology. And now she was going to be pursuing a library science degree. So it's just it's it's funny, but you're right. I think it does really fit together. And and it's kind of a the other side is like even just getting, you know, questions, whether you're an extension or an instructor, an advisor or whatever, just getting questions from people, whether it's students, the public, you know, asking about um, insects, that's very much fits in with like reference librarianship, you know, where you, you know, you might be like, I I don't have any idea about this, but I certainly know where I can look to try to figure out the information and I can get back with you. So I don't know the answer, but I know how to find it. Right. It, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it also sounds like there's a lot of power in having a position that's a 100% teaching position. Like you get to spend a lot of time really thinking about how these courses should be designed to be online uh, and what people are interested in. What are some considerations that you put in place when you're trying to take a course that was maybe previously only in person and you're now trying to build it for an online audience? You know, I, I have not done that, but I, I guess I can do it from a perspective of just creating a brand new course from scratch. So you just basically have to think about, well, well, first of all, I should say that our online courses are all asynchronous. So people are able to listen to them at their convenience. So they don't have to come in like it's it's not like we say Tuesday and Thursday, you need to be here at two o'clock to watch this on Zoom or something like that. That That's not how these work. They're basically recorded ahead of time and then posted. We have like a system, it's called Canvas and that it's it's a website or a learning management system that people use to go in, they're able to watch the lectures, they're able to uh, submit their assignments, their discussions, all of that can actually be done within that system. So I record the lectures and then post those. And so if I'm going to create a new course, I kind of usually start out with like an outline of all the topics, kind of maybe even just make it like a syllabus, start out by doing a syllabus, laying out what topics you want to do, that sort of thing. 
and then start doing PowerPoints and, and record those and that sort of thing. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention is that in the last year, we, we have the Center for Transformative Teaching here at UNL that give all sorts of wonderful uh, teaching-related professional development workshops and seminars and things like that. And I was involved in a pilot program called the Reflective Practitioner Program that was meant for instructors, not just online instructors, but any instructors uh, in class or online, and strategies to help uh, make your class is more inclusive, diverse, just, you know, engaging, engaging for the students. And I just got a lot out of that. And it has really, really helped me do some great like revisions to all my courses. As far as just to give an example, like with assignments, it used to be, you know, when I first started teaching, I just had these straightforward things like papers, you know, uh, tests, that kind of stuff. And I mean, not that there, I mean, there still is a place for those, but I have learned some things like instead of with tests, instead of necessarily making people feel under stress or have test anxiety, instead, I have these be like untimed and open book. And that way, the students walk away from that, knowing the material more like I, because I had this as my own experience. I, my most difficult class that I took in the online program was insect physiology, which a lot of people, that's challenging for a lot of people. And I remember that our instructor gave us the final as a take-home. And, and so I spent all weekend making sure that I had all those answers right. And I walked away from that feeling like I really, really like have this information in my head rather than like worrying about, you know, oh, I got this final and I'm going through the book and not exactly knowing exactly what it was going to cover and then maybe missing a lot or whatever. I just, that experience led me to knowing that students really get a lot more out of, at least I personally did, but I think others do, personally get more out of being able to, to, to delve into the material and really learn it. So so that's one thing that I've I've pretty much done away with closed book tests and 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 quizzes. Um, I have them untimed and I have them open book, and that's also inclusive because you don't really need to students with disabilities that maybe come and they need like extra time on a test. We that just goes away because it's open book and untimed, so we don't even need to worry about that. So everybody has that same chance. And then the other the other thing that I learned from this program was just different. I guess, creative strategies that you can use. Some students may love doing the traditional approach. I want to just do a report or I just want to do a paper. But there are students who really want to do something more, depending on what kind of learner they are, like if they're a visual learner or something, you know, they might want to, they might prefer to do a video or a podcast or a more creative type of, of thing. Like, you know, when I was in school, I wrote for a couple papers, I wrote them as stories because I love writing fiction. And my teachers just, they just thought that was so cool. And I'm like, well, I enjoyed writing this a lot more when I could write it as a, as a story. So I have offered those types of opportunities. They can choose what format they want to do. And in some cases I have, I have assignments that, that are like really creative. Like um, they do an insectmatch.com Pro, like an insect profile. They have to write up the information about the insect, but they do it as a dating profile. Like a, like a dating profile? And, okay. and they like, 
Love that. And I have just like, they've just turned it in for my class this semester. And I have just been so amused at, at the types of humor they put in there and just the kind of fun that they have with it. It's just, it's great. So I've done that one. Another one that I really like that I've done and students have expressed how much they enjoy doing it was it's an insect um, real estate uh, assignment. And that's for ecology class because basically it's like advertise a certain uh, niche to a client, an insect client. So, you know, like if you, if you were going to advertise to an aquatic insect, you might describe the pond area and then like, what are the costs? You know, what is the cost? And by cost, that would be like, what are the predators around? What is the competition around? So they really enjoy that. And again, I started out with just like, I want this to be like a Word document or a, a, an ad or something. And, and some of the students said, well, would you mind if we did this as a video or as a PowerPoint? And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, sure. I hadn't thought of that. And so I've learned a lot from, the, from that too, is just allowing the students to have a little bit of flexibility in their, their own learning and, and doing it kind of the way that they would like to do it. And I think that helps them learn better too. So. That's just some examples, I guess, of how I would start a class and how I, even when I revise classes, that's what I do is kind of take a look at the the current assignments, the current, I guess, lectures that are there. And another thing that I learned, again, this was, again, in a professional development uh, teaching symposium or something I attended once, was the importance of micro lectures. So if I'm a guest lecture and go to, I do some like forensic entomology guest lectures, and that's like a 45-minute talk that I do for a class, for a, a forensic seminar. But in my online classes, I know people are not going to want to sit there and like be on their computer and listen for 45 minutes. So I do, I do little micro lectures on the topic. So I will subdivide everything up five to 15 minutes, probably at the most on each um, topic. And then I include additional videos, additional publications that have to do with that topic. That way they get a whole lot of different media that they can look at. So they're not just having to be bored listening to me for 45 minutes, you know, so I try to give them a little bit of variety there. So those are just some things that I've sort of picked up along the way and, and I keep implementing and I encourage other teachers to use as well. I hope anybody that's out there listening that's thinking about building one of these courses is writing some of those ideas down. <laughs> uh, I, I experienced some of what you're talking about last semester. I taught IPM online and similarly mm. uh, realized that there was a lot of power in kind of offering a buffet to the students in terms of what uh, assignments they would do. So they got to pick and choose and there were things where they were trapping insects rather than just writing about how pheromones work. Uh, they actually got to see it in action and tell me what they caught and turn that kind of stuff in. So it, it is a lot of fun, I think, to build an online course, but you do have to readjust your line of perspective uh, after going through so much in-person training. Yeah. Well, and again, I think that is, that's a place that I've benefited um, from having been an online student. And also, well, and then there was like a transition in there too, in that I also TA'd for a couple of the online instructors. So, so that kind of helped transition me into, into the teaching a little bit easier too, because I was, I learned how to do the grading on, on there. I learned a little bit how to develop some assignments and things while I was working as a TA. So, so for me, I know that it was a pretty easy segue, but I know for people who are especially 
with the COVID thing for people that had to actually switch directly from on campus to suddenly doing an online class, I could see where that would be very di- a difficult jump for sure. That's funny that you mentioned that because I was in that exact situation. I was, I picked up a course for one semester because the professor that usually does it was on sabbatical and then COVID hit. And so I had to teach insect diversity and taxonomy as a remote course when normally it's this really lab heavy course. Mm, mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like, I've never taught before, but also I have to teach this remotely. Like what the <laughs> heck? I guess something I was wondering is you're talking about like all this hands-on that you have with these courses. How often do you go back and re-record lectures or update materials? Because I can imagine like if if nothing's changed, you could use the same recorded lecture from last year. I update lecture slides when I teach again. So I guess what's the update schedule and what's the the teaching schedule for these classes? Like because it's asynchronous, does that allow you to teach like maybe more classes than you would if everything had to be stacked up in a rigid timeline like throughout the week? So I guess can you talk about that aspect, those aspects of it a little bit? I teach usually usually about two classes a semester. And I am I am a real planner. So I, I tend to record the lectures like before the semester starts. Um, some teachers will just do it. They will just record their lecture weekly. But I, I try to get it done the semester before so that so everything's ready. And yeah, I don't I don't really have to update them all that often. Again, depending. I mean, there's definitely ones that if stuff has changed, then I will redo the lecture. But some where there isn't really any updates or there's real minor updates, I won't necessarily do the entire lecture. But one thing that I do tend to do every semester is kind of I reevaluate and I also look at student evaluations very carefully because I get some really good feedback from them sometimes on on or even just things I've observed that went well during that semester or something that didn't go well, like if the students were really confused about something in particular or if they seem to like one assignment versus another one, then I might redo or tweak different assignments or I might get rid of some assignment and do a totally different assignment for the next time. I also am always on the lookout for new like videos or new publications that fit those topics. So I might switch out some of those or add some of those. So to just kind of supplement the lectures. And then, yeah, I might add new lectures on a new, on a topic that somebody mentioned that would be a good addition. So, yeah, I guess I just, it really, and it depends on the class too. So, I mean, like insect biology, I mean, I probably recorded those like several years ago and it's basic stuff. There's really nothing to do. But like, for instance, when they moved Isoptera into Blatodia, then I redid my lecture. I'm like, okay, I, you know, cockroaches and, and uh, termites are now together, you know? So obviously if there's, there's timely updates like that, or, you know, the ticks coming out with Lyme disease in Nebraska, you know, that was a fairly new thing that happened. So I added some information about that. So I, I will definitely like tweak and update things in that, that manner. So yeah, what was what was the other part of your question? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I guess I, I was going to say recording micro lectures, then I imagine that makes it a lot easier to update because instead of like, oh, I've got to scrap this entire 45 minute thing, like, oh, I can scrap this five minute lecture uh, that I did. Yes. And that's, e- that's much easier to record and redo. Oh, 
The the second part, I guess you kind of answered it. You said you teach two classes a, a semester. I was just wondering if the fact that it's asynchronous and you can say record all of your lectures and get all of your materials ready, like the semester before a class goes live, yes. that allows you to like leverage your time and teach more because now you're not lecturing and grading and helping students. You're just like guiding the students through what you've already right. made. Right. And then, and, and then obviously grading too, because it, you know, for some of like the insect biology course, that might be over a hundred undergrads, you know, that one, I usually have help with TAs. Yes. And it's an online class with, with over a hundred undergrads, but my, a lot of the, the undergrad slash grad or the grad only courses that can range anywhere from 10 students to like 30, 40 students. And for grading those, it's it's a lot, it's a lot easier. So yeah, I spend time doing that. Now, to give you an idea, like for this semester, I'm teaching two different courses and great and I'm responsible for grading everything on those. And then the other thing I'm responsible for is the MS project. I'm like the coordinator for that. So I kind of uh, help guide students when they're doing their their project. And we've actually, and then there's a committee of other colleagues that also help with that. So there's like four of us that review all of those projects and do final approval approval and everything. But we kind of decided to actually overhaul that class this semester and instead actually make it more of a guided class where they, before it was just like, oh, you need to email us when you have your idea and when you have your proposal, that kind of stuff. And you just keep in touch with me personally as the coordinator. But now we've actually set it up in Canvas where they have things that are due because we were finding students just didn't have enough guidance on when they were supposed to get things in. So so they have to do like some quizzes on the prog the process of the MS project. Make sure they understand that. And then um, you know, the the ideas due at this date, the proposals due on this date, the projects due on this date. So we made that kind of a class. So I guess it's, I sort of have three classes this semester. And actually I have the MS project every semester. And then I also help independent study. So students that are just doing, they they can TA, they can help TA classes for an independent study. If they're interested in the educational side of things, they can do things like outreach projects. Um, they can do lit reviews, things like that for, for independent studies. So yeah, I'm always got all of those types of things. So at least two regular classes going almost every semester and then like the MS and the uh, MS project and the independent study. And then like, well, and then this semester in particular, I am working on a new class. So I, so yes, I'm working on cultural entomology, which is a new class that will be, I will be offering in the fall. So so I'm working on getting lectures figured out and assignments and and all that. So I'm doing that at the same time that I'm teaching these other other things. There's always other other projects that are going on in the summertime. I at least the last several summers or last summer, I go out with the forensics department and we do some sort of forensic entomology research. So we did some last year. We're hoping to get like a paper out of that. We did some back in before COVID. We did a couple years in a row and testing different scenarios of insect succession on deceased piglets, basically, and and uh, in different crime scene scenarios. So like one that was hanging and one that was buried and one that was in a car and just seeing what the insect succession was with that. 
And out of that research, we created a guidebook, a guidebook that can be used by students that are forensic students, entomology students, or law enforcement that are going out to to scenes, to human, you know, homicide scenes or whatever, and what, what to do as far as how they collect insects, how they preserve them. So we got an educational an educational manual out of that research that we did a couple a few years ago. And now this summer, and in the summers, I teach one class because we don't offer nearly as many classes in the summer. I teach one class in the summer. And then this year, we actually got a grant with the, I got a grant with the forensics department that we are going to go out and do 360 or virtual reality. We're going to do 360 videos of different areas of this forensic property where we do the research. One is going to be the pig and the insects and then others that the forensics department has set up like blood spatter or like a car with bullet holes or a shallow grave. So we're going to do like 360 video of all those. And it's going to allow people who are distant students, like the ones that I teach, to be able to, I guess, experience that forensic property because they obviously can't be here in person. So I plan to have that, use that in my classes and forensics plans to use it in their classes. And then it's also very good for like people who have disabilities, if there's students with disabilities that cannot physically go out to the property because, you know, it's it's got places, you know, that are higher and bumpy and things like that, you know, that some students just would not be able to go out there. So it will allow those students to be able to experience the forensic property. And then students that might have been ill that day, or just students that want to revisit the property, you know, they maybe were out there once and they want to revisit. And then we're going to do some assignments associated with that. So that's kind of, again, just thinking outside the box on different pedagogies that that we can add and and make things more interesting, I guess, for students. So because I'm UNL, I get a lot of people asking about the program. And so I'm always referring them to you and the website to learn more about the online masters. If someone was interested, what would be their prerequisites? Sounds like a lot of them already have like full-time jobs and that's why they're doing the masters online. But what kind of jobs aside from the ones that you've talked about do they have and why are they pursuing this online masters okay um well as far as just i guess just general admissions when they first come in they they just need to have a bachelor's degree and i mean some of them come in with a science bachelor's degree but others actually don't they they're interested in like a career change or something so they're they're coming in and like well you know like me you know i I had my master's in library science. I had an interest in entomology, so I did that. So we have others that are like that. They might be doing something. They just want to do a a job change. But basically, the prereqs is they need to have, for their undergrad bachelor's degree, they need to have had a chemistry course, a math course, a biology course, and then an intro to ento course. And a lot of times they have most of those except for the intro to ento. And we've actually got a class that we created just for that purpose. It's a one credit grad course that goes towards their degree and uh, fits that that requirement. But a lot of the people that are coming in, we have, I mean, we definitely have had some that have been undergrads that just come directly and, and do the online but I would say that's actually more the minority. More of the people are non-traditional students. And a lot of them are indeed 
they're either, some of them are retired and they're coming in because they're just interested in it. And they're like, we have the time now that we can just do something of interest. You know, we may not, we're not going to do a job with this or whatever, but we're, we're doing it out of interest. Then we have people who are maybe looking for um, promotional ways to get promoted. So that might be like, we've had like science teachers who are just interested in, I, I guess if they have a master's degree that can, that'll help them promote within the teaching field. So some of them will do that or they're science teachers that just want to integrate insects more into their classroom. And then we have like military. Uh, a lot of the military folks that we've had have had an interest in, there, there's like openings for medical entomologists within the military. And a lot of them are interested in that. And so that is why they're pursuing the MS in entomology, because that opens those avenues for them to get some of those types of entomology jobs within the military. I'm trying to think, we also have uh, pest management professionals, a lot of them coming in. So they're working in pest management already, but they want to get that, that MS degree. We had a border control person one time, which I thought was really interesting when she talked about, you know, like insects coming in that they were always looking for. So I thought that was interesting. We definitely have a lot of forensic related people, people that actually um, working like as CSIs or working in labs or working in morgues, you know, any, any number of things that might have something to do with forensics or forensic entomology. We've had that. When you first get into the program, how long do you have to complete that program? You have five years, five total years, but it takes usually, um, I would say probably three to three and a half years if you are taking one class per semester, which if you're working full time, that's what we recommend people do. Now, we again, we do have some people that are wanting to do the, the classes full time. And, and then obviously it's, it wouldn't take nearly as long if they did that, but we just tell people about three, three and a half years, if you are working full-time and want to focus on one, one class per semester. You mentioned the project that the master's students have to do. What exactly is that? And is that acting like the capstone for like their entire online master's experience? Um, and how does that like integrate in with what they're doing? Yeah, it, it it kind of does. It's kind of their final project and it's it's a way for them to yeah, integrate things that they've learned throughout the program, but also to focus on something that's of interest to them. So I guess for instance, and this really, really varies. So I can talk about about what some of the projects have been. People might like we've had some people that actually are working in labs or working at like a mosquito control company, something like that, who will who have like a job related project that they're about to start. And so some of them will use that job related thing that they were going to be doing anyway and use that as their project. Then we also have people like teachers, for instance, they might do like a whole like curriculum around uh, insects that they could use in their classroom. Or we've even had people design a online class uh, as their project. And then we've had people that if they have act, happen to have access to research, you know, equipment, they, they either work in a lab or they have access to a lab. We have had a few people that do a research-based project, but because they're not doing a resident master's uh, where you would, they would be working with an advisor in a lab and their, their master's thesis is around that research. That's what, you know, that's, it's a makes that thesis a little bit different because most of our students doing the the project are not going to have access to research um, equipment or be doing a research-based project. 
So um, for instance, for, for mine, I did a, um, I think it was, it was pretty long. It was like 60 pages, I think, but it was a bibliography and filmography. I think it spanned from 1950 to 2012 because I graduated in 2013 of books, films, TV shows, video games that feature insects or entomologists. And so it was an actual, yeah, bibliography where, you know, people had the information. So if they went to Amazon or whatever, and they wanted to check out any of those materials, they could do that. So it was just kind of putting all that kind of resources in one place. And obviously, I I had to choose, I, I, I not only limit it by year, but I limit it by fictional. So I was looking at fictional books and TV shows and things, not things like, educational things you'd find on PBS because that would be a, a whole nother project to to list all of those. So so that uh, combined, again, it combined my knowledge of library with entomology to do a project that was of interest to me. And we want these projects to be also very, you know, they need to be a scholarly project too, you know, something that contributes to entomology in some way. And, uh, you know, we've had people do like some some people go through and, and take the scientific illustration class that we offer and they've come out with these beautiful like manuals where where they did, you know, several scientific illustrations and then talked about whatever insect it is that, that was in their their illustration. So we it's really kind of all over the board. I mean, it has to be a robust project though. I mean, it can't be something that like it can't be like a paper that you would turn in in a regular class it has to be a robust type of project but we've had a lot of a lot of really varied types of projects and and I can provide you for the the show notes I can give you like the link that we have all of our projects listed on so our past projects that'd be great I don't want to or maybe I do want to do some compare and contrast uh, I I am part of the faculty that help with the online master's program here at Kentucky. When you mentioned that you thought there were only three, I wanted to double check on that. And I looked earlier and yeah, there are three. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're ranked last. So uh, not a great commercial for us. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but third place is still third place. But I know that I've had two online master's students. Well, actually I've had one graduate and I have two that are with me right now. Three that are with me right now. Uh, two that I'm building projects with. Uh, one who graduated and then one whose project is kind of in full swing right now. We call it a practicum. Uh, I don't know if I remember that being a word that was thrown around around a second ago, but uh, for our group, we have done, we had one that it was about how to build a Zoom course to try and convince extension agents to recommend biological control and high tunnels more. Uh, So we sort of measured their willingness to do so before and after viewing the online course and getting a certificate in biological control. And then the student that's working right now, she is building a citizen science project with arborists. So she's actually built this online course where they can learn about tree of heaven and spongy moth. And then they're going to join our citizen science efforts to monitor those pests uh, here in Kentucky and give more data to the office of the state entomologist. So I think there's always lots of fun opportunities with this. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know that when I've talked to some students who are kind of perspective about it, there that, that seems to be kind of the thing that hangs over an online master's is what what is the project? How am I going to do research? Like, am I going to have to buy a tractor so I can have my own cornfields over here to do European corn borer <laughs> research or or what's the scoop? But I think that with all of these degrees, there's there's a lot of leeway. There's a lot of possibilities, and it's it can be very tailored to what the student is interested in or what oh, their yeah. advisor specializes in. Yeah, do you have absolutely. that? Absolutely. 
do you have that extra layer at UNL where you come in? Like, it sounds like you would be the person they contact most frequently, but do they have to also pick another faculty member where that person is sort of guiding them more through the process and helping them to build the project? No, not necessarily. Now, I, we kind of are changing that a little bit this semester, like I said, making it more like a class where, and, and part of it's because normally we have, I mean, all the students have to do that, but but normally in any one semester, we might have just up to five students who are actually doing the project that particular semester. And a lot of them also take a couple semesters to finish too. But for some reason, this semester we have 10. So that's kind of, that's actually a lot more than we normally have taking in a particular semester. So usually I am the first one that looks at everything, but this semester, because we have so many, we have divided up um, among those of us who are on the MS project committee. Each person has two to four students. And so they are looking at their proposal first and, and giving them some guidance on whatever their proposal is. But in the end, all of us that are on that committee look at everything. We all look at the proposal and give feedback and we all look at the project, give feedback and and then do approval. And then I just do the final approval. I contact them, let them know that it's been approved and give them their grade and everything. But there's not any um, other than that sort of informal type of assign, assigning some of the other committee members to help them. No, I'm. it's pretty much me. I'm, I'm kind of the go-to person. They're not really talking to another advisor. Although like I have in the past, depending what their project was, like for instance, we have some people who are uh, specialists in bees here, like mm-hmm, Judy mm-hmm. was smart and Autumn smart. So if a person is doing something on bees, you know, I, you know, I might point them in that direction. Maybe if that faculty has time to look at, at it and ask them, oh, you know, maybe do you have some suggestions, you know, for this person? So if there's something really uh, specific that seems to fit a faculty member here, I might do that, you know, but, uh, but I would say a lot of them a lot of them like even fall within the realm, like educational, looking education materials, forensic materials, things like that, that like, especially like Tom and I could really help them with. So yeah, I don't know, but that is something I think we've kind of been thinking about is definitely maybe reaching out more to some other faculty within our department if the project kind of revolves around something they're working on. That sounds like a lot of responsibility for you. (laughs) (laughs) And it sounds like a really interesting program, like very different than a traditional master's like research project that I did. Definitely was not able to show my creativity <laughs> yeah. in the way that you allow your students to do that. And it sounds like it's very flexible for people that are interested. Definitely something I could recommend even more now that I know about it. Do you have any comments from past students about what how they felt in the program other than your own, which obviously was great. Uh, well, yeah, I, I actually do. And I might just read some of these out as is, and then you can choose which ones you want. So I won't, I won't say names or anything, but little I was ex- snippets, maybe? Yes, some little okay. snippets. Okay. So this one's one of the longer ones, but I, I do really like what he had to say. So I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing of his. 
I was extremely nervous about starting school again after being out for a few years and working full-time in the agricultural industry. I had so many excuses for why I could never go back to school. It's been too long. I wouldn't fit in with younger students. Am I even smart enough to be in such a program? However, with my wife's persistence, the well-outlined MS entomology program requirements and your willingness to not only consider me for admission to the program, even with my less than ideal grades in undergrad, but willingness to talk to me and understand the reasons. From day one, you have always been not only inviting, but a source of solace. Even though some classes were tougher than others, I enjoyed every one of them and learned an incredible amount of information, with most of it being directly applicable to my career in agricultural entomology. There were many over, overarching themes, but all taught from a different perspective that really made me think and conceptualize real-world topics through the use of current information and research. Okay, let's see. Another one, she mentions that her uh, supervisor was a graduate of the program and that he leads a division in their work to control insects such as spotted lanternfly, box tree moth, European cherry fruit fly, and Asian longhorn beetle. And then um, she said that he recommended the program to her. So we do have a lot of word of mouth. That is, that's um, one way that we've had a lot of people learn about our program is from previous students. Okay, let's see another one. My online MS and entomology degree has really sharpened my view on IPM. I was aware of it to a fair degree being a beekeeper, but it turned my view from 2D to 3D. I'm way better at articulating its uses and also pointing out weaknesses. Here's a person, uh, he took a job with the Department of the Navy as an entomologist, and has, he's also kicked off a PhD program in forest science in Michigan Technological University. Another person mentions that it was a convenient program for her. It kept She was able to keep a full-time job and, at, and able to work on the degree at the same time. The extended time to be able to finish is nice, and it's led her to other teaching opportunities. The education I received through the program has been invaluable. I received a promotion and now work in the QA department, and he evaluates IPM programs, he or she. Another student, they had written a paper for one of my classes and ended up rewriting that paper or revising that paper on cockroach bite potential, and it was published in PCT magazine. Another person, and this happened before I actually was working here, but she went through the, the program. She teaches biology and also served on the BCE rewriting committee for the Entomological Society of America, and I'm currently a certified medical veterinary entomologist. But one thing that she told me was that she later went on and got a PhD in education and that she wrote her dissertation about our online program. So I thought, oh, well, that's cool. That was really cool. So let's see. Let me just do like one more. This one was interesting. I entered the online program in hopes to continue work in southern New Mexico agriculture. However, the degree led me to western Hawaii aquaculture. I'm truly blessed to now be the QA for a shrimp farm, and I love it. And I'm grateful to the best online program ever. Thank you. Those are really cool. And it's such a, like the the jobs and where they went and what they did and what they got from it is right. so different but, and unique. And that experience just sounds so great. And as you can see from there, it's it's it really is varying from yeah militaries, uh, labs, um, research, yeah. um, schools. Industry, yep. Mm-hmm. This has been great. Uh, I appreciate the overview of a program that I've always sort of admired from afar. Uh, something that I look <laughs> at as a model for ours, and uh, hope to emulate as we try to build ours up. 
we we likewise we have a lot of students that are interested. It seems like this is a really growing field where there's people that are already professionals and they want to advance their career, uh, and then also just curious people who I don't know if they necessarily need a master's in any way, shape, or form, but this seems like the way to satisfy their entomological curiosities. So. I am excited about the future of this, and I look to you uh, and Tom and the UNL program as kind of the the standard to strive for. So thank you for Aww. covering it for us and, and kind of going behind the scenes with us here today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I learned from this interview with you. You've used a lot of the things you've done over time as stepping stones and taking all that knowledge with you along the way to incorporate moving forward with PSAP and library, and also your professional development, being able to incorporate that into your job. And then also not burning any bridges. And if you want, if you like something, say, (laughs) if there's ever a job here, I would love to be part of it. And so that relationship that you had with, with Tom and what you did there, probably as a student and a TA, right? it's great. Oh yeah. And I do have to end on one thing is that, uh, and I, and Jody was involved in this too, but, uh, I have also, even though I work primarily with the online students, I have gotten to know some, uh, in-person grads and undergrads as well. And one student I worked with, she, uh, was interested in doing independent study with me and doing a murder mystery game. And so we did an entomology related murder mystery game. And as part of her independent study, it was a lot of fun. And, and, uh, so we we get those type of opportunities too because we have some students who again online and in person who want to do some creative ways of of presenting education and the same student she did some videos that were using puppets and taught about entomology. So you know there's just all sorts of of ways that you can get that information out there and again meet the students where they are I think is the important thing. Oh and congratulations I saw on Facebook that you just were awarded a a grant. Oh, yes. And that's that's the one that's going to be the 360 uh, video that we're going to make out at the forensic property. So, yep, that's what that grant's going to be used for. You need to congratulate me on my new uh, baby Goliath beetle, though, that I that I got. <laughs> yes, I got a third in star uh, Goliath beetle and I just found out it was a female because I was able to to look at it and, and, and sex it the other day. So anyway, I'm excited about that. I've won one of those since I was a little kid. So Hot dog. that's awesome. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, if people wanted to send their congratulations to you online, is there any way that they can connect with you? Is there a, a Facebook page or a Twitter profiler? Yeah. If you want to connect and learn more about the, the program, I'll, I'll, I'll provide some, some websites and things like that for the show notes, but my email address is e. B-A-U-E-R-2 at UNL.edu. And yes, I can provide some of the other, uh, I can put my Facebook page, the digital comments, so you can look at some of the master's projects, and then also our, uh, just our main web website to tell you more about the program. Very cool. I hope people will reach out to Aaron and learn more about the UNL online degree. Uh, It's a great opportunity if you're looking to expand your entomological horizons. As for us, we are on the internet as always at arthro-pod.blogspot.com. You can also find the show Arthro underscore pod show on Twitter. We are on all of your favorite podcatcher apps, but you always have to include Arthro dash pod in order to find us on those different spots. Uh, if you like the show, leave us a rating and review uh, helps people to find us. 
Uh, we appreciate everybody that's been reaching out lately. We've had three very complimentary emails uh, in recent weeks, Jody and Mike. So I, I wanted to throw that out there for you to know and maybe feel good about yourselves as we wrap up our recording here today. I'm also on Twitter. I'm at Bugman John. I'm at Jody Bugsme, UNL. And I'm at mscavarla 36 Aaron, thanks for joining us. Uh, everybody that's listening, we'll catch you here in a couple more weeks on another exciting episode of Arthropod. It's time for our insect heroes to put away their nets and pheromone traps. Join us next time, same bug time, same bug channel, as the Arthropod gang make the world safe from poor insect podcasts. Until then, keep on bugging.